You're listening to the Digital Barbell Podcast. Our mission is to provide you with a clear path to health and fitness through education, coaching, and accountability. We are your hosts, Jonathan and Blakely Fletcher, and we are here to serve you. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star review so that we can reach more people. You can find us daily on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell. Now, let's get to today's topic. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 64 of the Digital Barbell Podcast. Thank you guys for being here, for tuning in, for listening, for watching all of the above. We're grateful to have you, so thank you. So um, we don't have a sponsor for this episode. We have kind of a carryover sponsor from a couple of weeks ago, well, and I don't want oh. to get into the details if I'm being honest with you. You do or you don't? I don't. It, we're still dealing with banks. Oh no, over here. I, they're not a sponsor. They're a rejected sponsor. <laughs> we reje- they've been rejected as a sponsor. Yeah, we're still dealing with that. You I'm going. I'm going with the mattress system. Mat- so. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll put all of our Siri- money. <laughs> What's the mattress name? Serta, Serta. Perfect Sleeper. Yeah. They're going to be our new sponsor. <laughs> we're doing our checking and our savings with Serta. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's what's going on with that. Uh, we've got a special episode for you today. We've got an interview with the coach that I hired over the summer to do, uh, coach me through the cut that I went through. So to look forward to that, it was a really good interview. Uh, but before we get to that, we've definitely have some announcements that we want to get to. So last month was supposed to be the last time that we released our three 12 week workout programs, body built and basics, but we're bringing them back for one, one more, final month, one last hurrah before they are retired for good. Mm-hmm. This is also going to be not only your last chance to join the programs, but to get a free month of nutrition coaching with Haley or I, the programs are already an amazing deal. It's a one-time cost two forty nine for body and basics and two ninety nine for built. And those all three include one free month of one-on-one nutrition coaching, which is normally $197 on its own. So you don't have to be a math major to figure out this is a pretty good mm-hmm. stinking deal. Who are these things for? Basics is a four day per week dumbbell strength program. This is fantastic for people who just want to build basic strength that are fairly new. They have a limited um, amount of equipment. Maybe they're new to weightlifting and they've been intimidated by it in the past. You're going to get a coach who's going to watch everything you do. You're going to get a coach who helps you progress in weight, make sure you're doing everything correctly and safely. Who is built for? Built is for people who already have a good base of experience with barbell lifts. This is also a four day per week program. It can be done in a commercial gym or it can be done at a home with like a full garage gym setup. Same deal. You get 100% coaching through all 12 weeks. You're going to know what to do. You're going to know that you're doing things correctly and you're going to get strong quickly. <laughs> and then we have body, the five day per week combo, <laughs> the combo meal training program. This is the best of strength training, bodybuilding, and CrossFit style conditioning in a five-day per week setup. Same deal as the other two programs. You're going to get a coach. You're going to know what to do. You're going to have everything right there in the app. This is perfect for people who have done things like group classes before or maybe apps. And like maybe they did a little bit of progress, but they never were really sure if they were doing things right. They were maybe getting hurt because they they had poor form. They didn't know what weights to use. They just kind of like never made a lot of progress. This program would be awesome for them. So also with the free month of nutrition coaching. So 
If you've been on the fence, this is the last chance. The workouts start for this round on September 7th, which mm-hmm. is next is the first Monday. Yeah. Of it's the actually month. Labor Day, but yeah, that's fine. Let's, we can still, we can still get started. We can still labor on Labor Day. I never understood that when I worked in construction, <laughs> people would take Labor Day off. I'm like, it's labor. It's labor. Let's, let's, let's do some labor. <laughs> let's celebrate it with some labor. But anyway, this podcast is coming out on um, Thursday, August 2nd. You have until Sunday before the program starts mm-hmm. to register. So you need to head to our website, click on any of the programs, and, and join right there. That's that's how you do it. Right. If you have any questions about which program is right for you, just send us a message and we'll walk you through it. I also think Monday might be the 6th. Monday is I the 6th. I could be the wrong. Yeah, you, you, could, be, <laughs> you could be right. I, yeah. My phone is turned off right yeah. now or I would open my calendar and check. Anyway, it's the first Monday of the month mm-hmm. is when the workouts start. So that's enough announcing and selling. Let's get on to today's episode with nutrition coach, registered dietitian, and pretty cool guy, Matt McLeod. Matt McLeod is a registered dietitian, a former natural bodybuilder, a professional fitness and nutrition coach, amateur furniture assembler, <laughs> and, and the inventor of the beverage trifecta. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you, man. That's uh, that's for sure the best intro that I've ever had. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So let's let's get right into the important stuff first and tell everybody what the beverage trifecta is. Okay. Okay. So if you're ready for your life to be changed, make sure you listen closely. Um, all right. So the trifecta just happened naturally because one of my favorite hobbies is is going out to eat. I love going out to dinner. I love hanging out with friends, family. Um, beautiful women. Uh, it's just like, I love going out to eat. And so what I realized is that every time that I went out to eat, I would order three different drinks and the drinks that I would order would be a water, a diet Coke, and then usually some type of alcoholic beverage. And what I realized, and then of course, using my, uh, my, using my college degree to the best possible of being a registered dietitian, I was like, oh, it, it just so happens that these three things, so, so essentially water and then a little bit of caffeine that's in the Diet Coke. So Diet Coke has about 46 milligrams of caffeine, not that I'm counting or anything, but 46 milligrams of caffeine. So that's going to be a stimulant, right? The water is going to be what hydrates you, right? And then the alcohol, typically for me, that's going to be like a red wine. That's going to be a depressant, but also it's going to uh, you know, make you feel a little bit loosey-goosey, right? So all of these things combined, they, they work synergistically, right? So the caffeine is an upper, the alcohol is a downer, and the water makes sure that you don't like throw up at dinner or anything, right? So w- using these all at the same time, I've realized that's what gives me a very optimal experience whenever I'm out to dinner, which is already a very fun experience for me, but the trifecta takes it to another level. And so every time I go out to eat, I typically, I, I, I do get that. So I take a picture, I put it up on social media, and now everybody, whenever they go out to eat, they send me that as well. And I couldn't be more excited about it. You know, when you study business, they tell you to try to make your niche as small as possible. Have you ever considered just making your website specifically about clients who want to partake in the trifecta? <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of it. Like, you, you know, what's interesting is like the, this, this could make it into a broader topic, but I heard something the other day and um, it was basically live the way that you want others to live right so instead of me like preaching to people or or trying to be their guru or anything like that it's just like my way of teaching others is just like hey this is this is how i do it this is working for me so maybe it can help you as well and so so i try to 
practice what I preach, right? Like that's the thing with all of my content and stuff, all of the ideas, everything, my podcast, everything is all selfish. It's all because it's what I'm trying to figure out myself. And I've just been lucky enough to uh, have the the background knowledge with with uh, my nutrition degree, and then also some experience with people, and then also my own anecdotal evidence throughout the years. Like I, I I'm trying to figure this stuff out too actively, and, and luckily I just have the, those other things that allow me to communicate it in a somewhat smart sounding way to other people, so that it can help them as well. So so yeah, I mean it's it's funny you say that about the niche because it's just it just my niche is myself. And it, yeah. I think that you can't have any better niche than that, to, to be honest. I, basically, what you're talking about is being your authentic self. And I've never really understood people that, I mean, there's just people you meet that you know they're, they're liars and they're not, their, they're not being themselves. And I've never understood how somebody can maintain that as a, as a facade. Like, aren't you afraid you're going to trip up and you go down this path of pretending you are somebody you aren't? So, um, yeah, it's just... I've never understood that how people can do that. So putting yourself it's, out there is always the best bet. You know what it is? is I, and I don't think it's be, I, most of the time. Most, most of the time people aren't trying to be, uh, you know, like con artists or anything like that. I think what happens is that people see other people in the industry that are living the life that they want to live or putting out content that they think is similar to the content that they want to put out. And then they just kind of copy what they do, right? And so then it just kind of happens to be inauthentic because it's just, you know, they're trying, they're trying their best. They think that that's the, the path they should go down. And so they, they try that, but then it just doesn't come off as real. But it's, it's tough though, because that can take years to fit, like to find your voice or whatever. It's like, that's also real quick. Can we cuss or no? I don't just, care. <laughs> okay, okay. Just making sure. Um, yeah, because that'll happen sometimes. Um, but yeah, so it's just like, I think people, their intentions are good. Usually not, they're not trying to be con artists, but then that's just, that's just how it, it works out. Yeah. I, I agree with all that. And, and we're going to probably talk about this a little bit more because I do want to bring up social media a little bit later, but uh, right now you're, you're currently living in Kentucky, which I have to say I'm a little bit jealous of because you have access to all the great bourbons there that we don't have access to here. And I went through a big drought when we lived in Idaho and all of the liquor stores were owned by the state and it was even harder to get stuff. But recently you were here in Texas, just outside of where we live in Austin. How did you like Austin? I, I really liked it. Um, that was my, that was my second time in Austin. And this, this time I was able to view it in a different lens since I have recently, uh, gone up, gone through a breakup. So I was with, I was with my ex-girlfriend for about five years almost. And so that's, that's a pretty big life change. And so last time I was in Austin, um, I was visiting with, you know, with the intentions of probably staying in New York City, which is where I, I used to live, right? And I lived with her. And so I didn't look at Austin. I didn't look around Austin in the sense of, oh, I could potentially live here one day, right? Because Austin is one of those places that are probably my top, top three places that I could see myself living in the future. And, and since going through this breakup, this, this next time that I just went here recently, uh, I was able to view it in a different lens. And so I was able to keep my eyes open a little bit more and just notice the people and notice the restaurants and notice the scenery and, and just kind of get a more of a feel of the city. And I was also there for about a week. And uh, I, I stayed three days kind of downtown with a, a friend, a friend group who was a little bit younger and, and a little bit more uh, chaotic, let's say. 
And then uh, the other the other three days, I stayed with uh, uh, an older couple, and they so they were married. They had a house. It was more low key. It was on the outskirts of Austin, um, and it was it was very much needed after the first three days. But I was able to get a balance of, of both of these perspectives of Austin. And I think given the places that I've lived, so being Kentucky and New York City, Austin's actually a pretty good middle ground between both of those because you still have the South, right, of, of Texas and, and that Southern charm to it. But then you also have the metropolis and the, the bigger business side of things and the, the new and exciting and, and kind of hustle of that city that is New York city. Right. And so combine yeah. those together. And I feel like you have a little bit of Austin, Texas there. So, so yeah, I, that's, that's cool. That's my, my long answer to why I, I liked it. I really did enjoy it. Yeah. I can concur in all those things that you said. It's definitely a, a more progressive city when it comes to Texas cities too. So coming from New York, it would probably feel right. more like, more like a fit than San Antonio or maybe even Dallas, but <clears throat> sure. Yeah. That, sure. that all makes sense. So, um, yeah, I've talked on the podcast before that I did a cut this summer leading up to my 43rd birthday and I hadn't done a cut in about two years leading up to that. And I knew that I had a much better chance of sticking with it and reaching some sort of goal at the end of the end of it if I hired a coach. So that was you. I hired you to help me get through that coach. I threw that cut yeah. and yeah. Uh, I was, I was not the most compliant ever client ever, but nonetheless, definitely reached some sort of goal at the end of oh, it. And I've, I was I've, I've had, I've had much worse, much worse, John. So don't, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, you, you were, you were great, dude. You, you were excellent. And you, yeah, I think you, yeah, I hope that you were happy with your results. Cause, cause yeah, even given the, uh, um, the, the, the lax, uh, parts of it, I still think, yeah, you made, you made solid progress and I, I hope you were, you were happy with the outcome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm def I was definitely happy with the outcome and I wanted to, to I wanted to do it for a lot of reasons, but uh, I always kind of like to do something like that leading up to my birthday, both to prove to myself and to other people that just because you're in your thirties or your forties doesn't mean that you, the same principles of training and nutrition don't apply to you. If you, mm -hmm. if you do them, I think a lot of people use their age as an excuse and, you know, Blakely and I are both over 40 and it's not like we've been fit our whole life. We, stay like this because we consistently do the things and uh yeah, I just like yeah. to prove that to people every once in a while and to myself so that yeah, i don't absolutely. slip into that oh, i'm getting old kind of thing right i thought it was cool too that because you were as you were messaging me through your through your client updates and stuff you were having realizations about your own clients right because because obviously yeah you guys work with people too and so whenever you go through the coaching experience as a coach you, there's there's plenty of things like just like if I hired a coach or something like that I know that there would be plenty of things that I would see as well and be like oh okay I forgot about this or this even though I've I've hired two coaches in the past but it's been a while but so I know that if I did it again I would just see things through a different lens but I thought it was cool that you were able to kind of capture these little lessons that you know your clients are probably thinking but now you can more appropriately handle them in the future, hopefully. Yeah. Specifically what you're talking about is just the, uh, the level of time commitment and mental energy to logging everything that you eat in an app. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're faced with all these little micro decisions throughout the day of whether you're going to uh, put that bite in your mouth and not log it. Or if you're going to pour extra salad dressing on your uh, salad, but log it as one serving when you know it was two and uh, it was just a, re a good reopening eye experience to to get back in the shoes of a client and be like, you know, this 
it's not just all about the numbers. These people are going through a mental dis- a, a, a litany of mental decisions every single day. And I need to stay sensitive to that for sure. Yeah. And when's the, when's the last time that you actually tracked like pretty hardcore like that? It would have been, um, probably like March, April, May of 2019. Okay. So yeah, a few yeah. years. So even, even then, like, yeah, you've got a nice little refresher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still, I'm still very uh, fluent in the app because I've looked through my clients' food logs all the time, but getting right. back into the habit of logging. Uh, but it's also eye-opening too, just to after you eat in maintenance and intuitively for a long time to kind of see where your actual calories and macros are coming in, in addition mm-hmm. to all the, the psychological part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, good. I hope, I, like I said, I hope you... Hope you enjoyed it because you're definitely a, a pleasure to work with. So, so yeah, I, I don't want to turn this into an advertisement for my coaching. Um, no, it's all Ma- good. If you go to mammacloud.org <laughs> slash. No, use, use coupon code digital barbell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Receive your first year free. Perfect. Yeah, we need to figure that out. Um, so I mentioned that you're a registered dietitian. Tell our listeners what that means and what's involved in becoming a registered dietitian. And how that happened. <laughs> yeah, and why. <laughs> and how that happened. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, registered dietitian is going to be different than any type of like nutritionist or just a self-proclaimed personal trainer or nutritionist or anything like that. So you have to actually have to go to school. You have to get a dietetics undergrad degree. And then you have to go through 1,400 hours of a supervised practice in different uh, sectors of nutrition. So like medical nutrition therapy in a hospital or like community nutrition, um, where I worked, uh, with a, uh, a school in their lunch program. Right. And then I also did some, some diabetes counseling, like one-on-one. And so you have 1400 hours of the supervised practice under people. And then after that is over, then you have to take the board, the national board exam to become a registered dietitian. Uh, and I think even, uh, here soon, you're going to have to have your master's degree. So I actually slipped that one by and I avoided a little bit more schooling there. Um, so, so yeah, it's just, it's just, there's a little bit more to it. Um, then, then somebody like somebody can't legally say that they're a registered dietitian unless they actually are. It's like mm-hmm. the same thing as a nurse, right? You can't say you're a nurse unless you actually have the credentials to do so. However, you can say that you're a nutritionist or something like that, or some type of variation without any actual, uh, credentials. And, and it's just, you know, that's, that's just the reality of it is. It's just, I'm not saying that there are nutritionists that aren't better than, than certain registered dietitians I know because there definitely are, um, and, and vice versa. But however, most of the time, at least, you know, if you go with a registered dietitian, they're going to have some type of filtering, uh, and, and things like that. But yeah, I chose, I chose the registered dietitian route because, I was too stupid to become a physical therapist. Actually, that's what it was. Because I, I started off in kinesiology and exercise science, and then uh, I realized my chemistry grades—they were just not—they weren't where they needed to be. And the physical therapy at the University of Kentucky was was pretty competitive. And so I was like, okay, I can either go back and retake all these chemistry classes that I absolutely fucking hated, or uh, I could figure out something else. And so I was debating. I was like, okay, so I kind of want to either be a personal trainer or a registered dietitian um, because I thought coaching might be in my future someday. And this was like my sophomore year in college. And then I realized, I was like, well, I don't need an exercise science degree to become a personal trainer, right? Like I, I can go work at LA Fitness or something just by taking some other random exam, right? That doesn't require four years of my time. Um, And so I was like, well, I don't need that to become a personal trainer, but to become a registered dietitian, 
uh, I am going to need a, a credential. And also the biggest thing was that it provided me a safety net. So I was mitigating my risk because I didn't know if I was going to be a coach or not whenever I was a sophomore or junior in college. Um, so I was just like, well, here's the thing. I'll, I'll, I'll become a registered dietitian. I can kind of kill two birds with one stone. If I want to become a coach, it's going to give me a leg up on my competitors. And of course, I'm going to learn quite a bit more. But then also, if everything goes to shit, I can take a step back. I can go work at a hospital or something. My mom works at a hospital. She could give me a job in like three seconds. Um, and so uh, she's pretty high up at the local hospital. But I just, I don't want to do that. But I just yeah. knew that, hey, if I want, if I need to, I can. And so uh, luckily... I started helping out a few people in college, a few of my buddies. He was in a fraternity. He got good results. He started telling a couple other friends and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And by the time that I graduated college, I had a, a, an, enough savings and a full enough roster to where I could take it full time. Uh, and then whenever I went full time with it, then yeah, things, things started going uh, even better. So, so yeah, that's, that's, I that's think fantastic. I, answered the question. I think I answered. It yeah, better. that's, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm, that's, I bet there's a lot of people who wish that their journey had kind of gone as smoothly as that. It really worked out. <laughs> it really it's, worked out well. It, it's, it sounds like it. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, but I spent a lot of time thinking about it, to be honest. Like I spent lots and lots of time where I got lucky was I realized that I was interested in fitness. That's the thing. That's what I got lucky for, right? Is because so many people don't figure out what they're good at or, and also what they enjoy at such a, an early age. And I found fitness because of high school football, right? I was, I was kind of a smaller kid, uh, just kind of tall and lanky. And I wanted to get bigger, stronger, and faster for football. And so that's whenever I got introduced to weightlifting. And then I started to see results there. I started to get bigger and stronger and faster. I started noticing other people noticing me. And then I realized, okay, the more that I learn, the better results that I can get. Cause I was, I mean, I was a natural athlete. I, I wouldn't take drugs or anything. I was like, the more that I learn, the bigger that I can get, the bigger, the stronger, et cetera, et cetera. And so that kind of general quest for knowledge then turned into Hey, why don't I just like, I'm really enjoying doing this on my own with no, you know, real benefit from it, no monetary benefit from it at least. And so why not just keep pursuing this? And so I found that then I became known as like the fitness guy or whatever in my friend group. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. So, so yeah, I think in that aspect, I really got lucky finding something that I liked. Heck yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, this is a really good segue because, um, <clears throat> you know, looking at your website, you've got a, you've got a lot of, um, and just your experience in general, you have a great balance between, you know, the formal education side and the practical experience, both in the training and on the nutrition side with people in real life. So let's pull out a common topic and hear from somebody who has the perfect balance of both the book smarts and the street <laughs> smarts and get your opinion on it. All right. Okay. Let's do it. So what exactly is the deal with the possibility of women in particular, getting bulky versus toned when it comes to lifting weights and their nutrition, how it all ties together mm -hmm. like from the, are, from the mouth of Matt. From, from the perspective of like women who think that if they lift weights, they're going to get bulky and, and heavy or they is what exactly? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. And they don't, they want to get toned. They don't want to get bulky. Sure. Right. So with men and women, what we have to realize is that women and men, this is might be surprising to some people, men and women, at least from, from what I know, I, I don't want to claim that I'm super up to date on research and things like that, but I do still try to follow along with the people who are, but men and women, they both, uh, uh, 
their ability to grow muscle mass actually isn't too far apart, actually, right? I know a lot of people go towards the testosterone argument and things like that. And that, don't get me wrong, that definitely does play a difference. But the biggest difference between men and women is that women, they're, so, so men's starting point is here, right? And then women's starting point is here, right? So, so women are just born naturally with less muscle mass than men. Right. And so, so them, even if, if you have a guy and a girl lifting the exact same and everything, all the other variables are the same for two years, the guy is still going to have more muscle mass simply because he was born with more. And of course there's a spectrum. There's, this is more of a generalization. However, for the most part, women are going to have less muscle mass than men. And so I say that because in the sense that it's going to be hard for you still to build muscle mass simply just because you're, you're at a, you're at a disadvantage from, from the get go. But, but my thing is just like, what that's always been with this is just try and see what happens. And I can promise you probably nine out of 10 people are going to be very happy with the result of lifting weights um, and just what it does overall for their body. And, and usually the reason why women tend to feel bulky or, or, uh, uh, yeah, they, they feel bulky and not tone whenever they start lifting weights is maybe that they end up, they don't watch their diet either. They just start to eat more and maybe they're exercising more. So maybe their, their appetite's getting up a little bit. And so they just tend to eat more in general. So my bet would be that there would be a correlation between how much they're actually eating and then also lifting weights as well. And then they just kind of contribute that to the weights as opposed to, or maybe, you know, you might be gaining a little bit of fat and muscle right together. And so that's where, that's where the bulkiness can, can come from. But I would bet that if women would build muscle and also lose fat, that's kind of the toning look that they're looking for. And probably they would be, they would be happier with that. Um, and then the last thing with this is just like, stop lifting weights. You know, if you, if you just so happen to wake up one day and you are bulkier than you, you want, and it's not because you're, you have a little bit more body fat than you want, then just stop lifting weights. Your muscle will atrophy. It'll go away. And then that's, that's like, it's, and it's the easiest thing to do. Just don't lift weights and you'll be fine. Right. In fact, like just go, like go run or something, you know, and it'll, you know, it'll maybe even go away faster or something. Right. It's just yeah. like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about it, but I do, I, I, I empathize with women who, who just don't not empathize. I sympathize because I don't know what they're thinking or going through. Um, however, I, I realize what they're saying, right? They, they just, they don't want to get bulky. I understand they want to tone and I get that toning's not a real thing or whatever the fuck, but it's like, we get it. We know what, like as coaches, at least we know what they're trying to say. It's just like when people say clean eating, we know what the fuck they're talking about and I get it that you don't want to label certain things or whatever. But for the most part, it's like, they're not, that's not the point that they're getting at. So you as a coach, you just have to be careful. Just like you're, 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 you're solving a non problem. I get it that you're trying to educate them. However, like berating them or, or being condescending or calling them stupid or something. Cause they said toning instead of muscle hypertrophy or something, you know, right. It's just like, it's not helpful. So, so I think that what is helpful is hopefully what kind of, I just said. And, mm -hmm. and so it's just like, yeah. And worst comes to worst, just stop lifting and you'll be okay. And even just bringing the awareness that the nutrition side of it is such a big component. Like a lot of people, uh, this probably goes for men and women think that, you know, as long as I'm doing the part in the gym, I'm doing it, but right. not realizing that, you know, that's only, I don't know, 25 to 50% of the effort and that the nutrition is really going to control so much of how your body changes, whether you're lifting or weights or not. So 
um, just to 100%. Put, put men and women's mind at ease. There's not much chance of a huge physical change, positive or negative happening in your body, unless you include the nutrition part of what you're trying to do also. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's with the percentage wise <laughs> with, with nutrition or training. I'm just like, it's a hundred percent nutrition and a hundred percent training because they do different things, right? It's just like, you can't, you can't assign a percentage to either one, but it's just like, yes, of course you can't, you can't, the thing is, is you can't eat your way to more muscle mass, right? If you don't lift weights and you just eat more, it's going to be partitioned to fat, right? Not muscle. And so ideally it's, it's like, this is, this is how to, to make sure you want, you don't get bulky or you want to get toned or whatever. It's just like one, probably hire a coach and then two, just the more closely you monitor things, the, the better off you're going to be. Like if you're just monitoring progress and, and what things are happening, you can manipulate whichever direction you want to go. And again, you have the fail safe of just, just stop lifting. If you really feel like you're getting too bulky. Yeah. And all this stuff happens so slowly that there's no chance you wake up one day and you're like, shoot, I got too jacked. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll, I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> if there was, there'd be a lot more jacked people walking around. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right, let's move on to something else. So a lot of what we do in helping people with nutrition is, you know, the scientific stuff, calories, metabolism, macronutrients, but a lot of it's not. I'm talking about the whole psychological aspect of it, the mental part. So why is making changes to your nutrition so hard when it comes to the mindset side? How's that for a small question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like it though. Um, why is it so hard? Because food is delicious and we're lazy and we are, we're evolutionarily wired to crave hyper palatable foods, very energy dense foods. Um, muscle is not evolutionarily, uh, an advantage. It's very energy expensive, right? Because our, our body, like your, your, your body doesn't want to be 6% body fat and be super jacked, right? It's like, that is, that takes more food. That takes a lot more food for it to use. And it's like, it doesn't want to use that. It wants to, it wants to get fat and plump and make sure that there's plenty of food always available. And you, you combine our evolutionarily evolutionary wiring plus the literal scientists who are trying to uh, create foods that are absolutely like the most delicious, delicious thing we've ever had. Like we, we put it in our mouth and it's just like, these are, these are processed foods that are specific, like the crunch, the texture, the taste, the mouthfeel, the appearance, the, the marketing of the bags or the boxes, all of like, these are literal scientists, both from like the food chemist and, and food scientist side of things. And then also you have the marketing as well, which is a whole other psychological thing, but they are, they're literally trying to make us consume as much of this food as possible. And then it's also usually cheaper than let's say healthier food. And it's going to be very easily uh, ready to eat. And, uh, people are busy and people have children and people have bills and people have a million and one other things to do besides worrying about how to lose body fat and, and count their calories and count their macros and, uh, uh, you know, figure out organic foods and know how to cook them and, and everything. So it's just, it's all of these things combined. Like if you wanted the broadest answer possible. It's like that, all of those combined. That's why it's so damn hard, honestly. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tough industry to be in, to try and combat that, to be honest. Yeah. And, and you didn't even bring up, you know, kind of the whole, the non-food psychology part of it, maybe the part of 
the part of nutrition and psychology that ties into the, you know, the, the deeper underlying motivations of people and coping mechanisms and, oh yeah. And, and behavior change in general, like you, you have all these issues, which are tough enough to start with. And then you have all the things that you just mentioned, making it even more difficult when you do decide that you're ready to try to make a behavior change. And you have, and you have parents who don't know anything about this stuff either, raising kids, and they're just passing along those bad habits to their children. Again, it's like the parents are probably trying to pay their bills. They're probably most of most Americans and like coming from Kentucky, it's like, trust me, I get it. Like what part of my food rotation was going to food deserts, like going to very rural Kentucky where these kids, like we brought them lunch every single day for their lunch program. And the kids would show up without shoes on with dirt on their face. Like this is going to be their best meal that they had that day. Right. And they're, they're going to have, they even want some to take home for later on for dinner and things. Right. And so it's just like, it's you think they're worried they're they're concerned about trying to figure out the latest research on 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 food and and make sure that their the food is uh whatever macronutrient yeah. balanced and, and organic right. and all these things it's just like they just want they just want to they're just trying to survive a lot of people they just have so many other things to worry about um than this and then yeah not to even mention the the coping mechanisms that, that go along with this that food can serve with with these individuals with any in, in affluent or you know impoverished like it's both mm-hmm. of them is it's it's fucking hard man because also lastly we do this every day it's a habit you have to do every single day right no matter what you are eating every single, I mean, unless you're fasting, but if you're fasting, then you, this is probably is a non-issue, but it's just like, or, or you're on um, the show alone. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's just like, this is a habit that we have to do every single day. And so you have to have some, like with, with politics and things, it's like, I'm, you know, I can have a non-stance on most things, but with food and eating, it's like, you have to make a choice every single day. And that choice is to, to steal a, 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 a thing from James Queer. It's like, that's a vote to the type of person that you're trying to become, whether you realize it or not. And then you're reinforcing uh, good or bad habits every single time you decide to eat. And so it's yeah. just, yeah, man, it's hard. It's so hard. you, a uh, couple things came to mind while you were saying that just, you know, one of the reasons that this whole nutrition game is so hard is because like you said, you make hundreds of food decisions every day. It's, it's easier to stick with a workout program where you only have to go to the gym once per day. You make that decision once and then you do the workout and you're done. But you know, you have to make even in one meal, how much food do I put on my plate? How quickly do I eat it? Do I eat all of it? How many times am I going to chew it? Am I going to go back for more? All these, there might be 15, 20 decisions per meal. And oh yeah, it's a, yeah. uh, it's a lot. <laughs> Exercises for people is, is typically, it's typically much easier. Um, yeah. And in like, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think it's because maybe you're going to train once a day, some people, you know, three times per week or something, and mm-hmm. you, can, you can look forward to doing that. Cause it's a, it's a distressor, right? But most of the time for people to distress with food, it's usually not with a salad, you know, like that's, <laughs> or meal prepping the for the week. Yeah, no, that's not, I think I'm going to, I'm going to wind exciting. down for wind down from a busy day with some meal prep. <laughs> yeah, no, that fuck. No, that sounds awful. That's not happening. No, 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 definitely not. Let's talk real quick about um, some of the content that you've got on your website because you've got some real gold on there. Um, you've got one great piece of content 
in a couple of different places that you call the 10 stages of feeling stuck, which is just fantastic. I'd encourage, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I think a lot of people will think that Matt's inside your head when you read that. And then also you have, um, some really good discussion about what you call the gray area. <clears throat> and this is something that I'd never put a name to, but certainly had a lot of conversations with clients about over the years. Can you tell everybody what the gray area is and um, why people, why so many people are stuck in it? Yeah. So, so the gray area I realized after working with hundreds of people and then also just, you know, going through <laughs> these stages myself, right. The, the gray area is kind of whenever you have one foot in, one foot out with your goals, right? And, and that's what most, this is This is the person who, um, and, and I get it, for the most part, it's like this is how a lot of people, at least if they're somewhat health conscious, go about their, their day-to-day. And I think for, for some, periods of fine, uh, some periods of time, it is fine as long as your expectations match that, right? As long as you're aware, hey, Right now, I'm just kind of, quote unquote, like watching what I'm eating. You know, I'm trying to get in a workout several times per week. I don't, I'm not following any type of specific plan. I'm not counting macros. I'm not counting calories. I'm just kind of watching what I eat. I'm doing my best. Um, and that's fine. I, I've, got, I've got other priorities right now that aren't fitness. But what happens and why the gray area can suck is when there's a mismatch between your expectations and what you're actually doing, right? So if you're just kind of, quote unquote, like watching what you eat and just nonchalantly going to the gym here and there, you're not following any real plan or anything like that, yet your expectations are, oh, I'm going to try and lose a pound of fat per week, right? Or I'm going to try and build some muscle or I'm going to try and get a lot stronger on these lifts, right? It's like, that's, that's where the gray area can be tricky. And the gray area is whenever people have one foot in, one foot out, they're kind of half-assing their goals. And so what I, always, what I say on my coaching page, I was like, hey, if, if you want these results, it's like, let's stop half-assing this. Let's not be in the gray area. It's either you're all in or you're all out, right? So we have to, we have to choose one or the other. And so if you're all in, like, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's get out of the gray area. And it's either black and white, right? And so that's whenever you can actually make the decision hey, I'm going to start every single decision I make today is going to be with a priority being fat loss, for example. And so it's like this being in, in, in this more extreme area, so to speak, in this more kind of obsessive area for 12 weeks is going to be much better and you're going to be much happier likely than if you're stuck in this gray area for three to four years or a year even, right? Because this is what, because people, this is what yo-yo dieting is, right? It's kind of people are just in this gray area and they've been trying to lose the same amount of weight or they've been quote unquote watching what they eat for years and years on end and they just get frustrated. They just get fed up, right? And so that's why I'm just like, hey, you have to, you just have to decide. That's, that's all it really comes mm-hmm. down to is, hey, this is a decision. And it just so happens that it makes it, it's much easier to make that decision whenever you're accountable to somebody else other than yourself, because it's very, very difficult to try and do this stuff. Again, talking about everything that we just talked about, it's very hard to combat all those things. One, especially whenever you don't have the knowledge, but then two, if you're only accountable to yourself, because as everyone probably knows, we are very good at self-rationalizing our way out of that salad and then getting the burger and fries over and over and over again. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, 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 kind of by, that's kind of what I mean by the gray area. I, just, I want you to get specific with your goals because that's, that's the biggest thing with the gray area is that it, there's a lot of ambiguity. And ambiguity allows us to, to slip on our goals because we don't have any specific goals. So if we don't have specific goals, we, we, we can't fail right? But you also can't succeed, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that's stuck. Kind of, 
that's kind of the problem. You're stuck in this gray area and that's what ends up making people so frustrated months and months, years and years on end. So it's just like, Hey, let's fucking just buckle down for, for three months, six months. And let's, let's get this over with. Let's try and let's try and get this over with. And then ideally we can transition into more of some type of sustainable eating where maybe you're not actively trying to lose fat or build muscle. You're just kind of living life. However, there's certain things that you can monitor to keep your certain feedback mechanisms that you can keep yourself in check so that you don't end up gaining the weight again. And ideally everything that you learned within those three to six months, you can then use at least pieces of those habits and skills so that you can sustain that lifestyle, you know, as long as you want. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I'm in total agreement with all that. I think, um, one thing about being out of this gray area and being on one side or the other is, and maybe this happens more or you're less likely to fall in this trap if you have a coach. But even if somebody decides they're going to get out of the gray area, go over to the commitment side, if they don't have some accountability, it doesn't have to be they're paying a coach, but some sort of accountability that it's going to be tough to stick with that the first time that you slip up. And I know you and I have talked about this before, but we're all going to mess up at some point, just like I messed up many times during my cut. But the key is to don't fall into that all or nothing trap and get right back on track. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think that that's one of the most, if not the biggest thing that holds people back, even when they do make the decision to be committed and be one on one side of the line. Uh, I'm assuming this is something you deal with your clients all the time also. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's a hundred percent what it is. It's just that I've, I've joked around about like, my job is literally just the art of getting people back on track. Like that's all it is. It's just the art of consistency because it's just like, you know what you need to do. You're a coach, damn it. Like, you know what you need to do. I'm just here to make sure you keep doing it and you, you hit more than you miss. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's essentially all it comes down to. And that's what you're talking about with the all or nothing mentality. The reason that, that, that gets so many people is because they can go through these periods of, oh, I'm going to buckle down and then buckling down lasts until Friday, right? And then Friday comes and then Friday happens. And then also Saturday happens and they're just like, okay, screw it. I'll start back up on Monday. And then you just keep recycling, rinse and repeat this, this, this cycle. And that's how you end up spinning your wheels. That's how you don't end up making actually any progress. So it's just like, yeah, you have to with the accountability, it's like, you just have to figure out how to hit more than you miss. And the biggest thing with that is just trying to fail fast and and getting back on track as quickly as possible after you screw up because you're going to screw up and that's okay. That's totally fine. That one meal or even a couple meals, that's not what's going to do you in. What's going to do you in is, you know, missing three out of seven days of the week and doing that every single week and then possibly yeah. longer as well. So it's just like, how can we limit, how can we eliminate that, that, how can we miss smaller? And what I mean by that is how, for an example, how can we, uh, instead of like, if, if you typically go until Friday and then that's whenever your diet blows and then you, you don't get back on track on month until Monday. So you miss on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Well, progress the next week, even if you went, Uh, even if you went Friday and Saturday and you missed both Friday and Saturday, but then you got back on track on Sunday, right? Then you only missed two days. Well, that's still progress, right? That's still going to be progress. And then next week, what if you just missed on Saturday, for example, right? And so progress is going to be even better. But then how, what about if, what about if we planned in a free meal or something like that, right? On, on Friday night so that you could kind of get that 
out so you could get a little bit of a psychological boost. You can not worry about tracking that meal. You can go out, you can have fun, you can enjoy yourself. You can get some things that you wanted, been craving. But then right after that one meal, you got back on track on Saturday morning, for example. And then you nailed Saturday, then you nailed Sunday. And that's how you can start to build, build some real momentum. So instead of like missing bigger, how can we miss small? And even then it's like, if you plan it, a free meal is not a miss, right? It's kind of just mm -hmm. the next logical step to allow you to keep going and not have giant fuck ups. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the gist. One of the approaches I take with this with clients is just reframing the way that they, <clears throat> the way they talk about the timeframes of being off track. Like if somebody comes to me on a Monday morning check-in and they say something like, I was off track this weekend, I'm ready to get back on track. So in their mind, they have turned three days, which, you know, let's be honest, most people include Friday in the weekend. Mm -hmm. They've turned three days into one event. I was off track that one event. And I help them try to reframe the fact that like at any point during those three days, you, you have the opportunity, just like you said, to miss small and get right back on track. If you continue to lump multiple decisions and days together as if they all have, have to happen together, you'll never be able to actually get back on track after making one bad decision. You have to decide that every single decision is an independent event where you do have the opportunity to make the next right choice, no matter how bad the choice was before. Yes. And, you know, people will lump weeks, months, years into these timeframes when actually it was thousands of decisions that could have been changed at any time. So right, I, right. I think at we're any, talking about the same thing. At any moment you have, and not even just like days or hours or minutes or whatever, it's at any moment you have the opportunity to begin again, right? Like you have the opportunity to get back on track whenever you want. And, and what you said is exactly right. These are not, this is not a domino effect, right? This is how people tend to treat these choices. You have the, you have the one choice, you knock over that one domino on Friday. And then so automatically Saturday and Sunday has to happen as well. Um, but that, that's just simply not the case. You have a, a big line of dominoes, right? It's like that, it, they, they don't have a domino effect. Every single, you have an opportunity at every single one of those dominoes to then prevent the domino effect from happening, right? And so just, I think that whenever people can, can realize and, and have that, that liberating moment where they're like, hey, I can, I'm in control here and I, I'm gonna stop kind of telling these, these stories to myself that I, you know, okay, I need to wait until Monday so that I can really buckle down and get back. It's just like, it's just, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Like it's just, it's fine. Like just, just, if you had the meal, if you had the screw up, it's cool. Just, just get back on track as quickly as mm -hmm. possible and, and you're going to be okay. And just continually keep doing that over and over and over and over again and try to not judge yourself so much. Um, because that's also what, what people can do as well. They're like, Oh, I've already screwed up this, this whole week. So I'm just going to keep, keep doing it as well. It's like the past does not exist and the future is only an anticipation, right? So mm -hmm. we just have now, um, not to pull out my, my Zen hat on you, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it is. I think one thing people don't think about in those times where they're feeling quote off track is that they're going to get this dopamine hit and this reward in that instant, as soon as they make a course correction, like let's say they're at home and they're, they're drinking that night and they, they poured their fourth or fifth glass of whiskey and they poured it. And then they decide, you know what? I don't think I need this last glass. I'm just going to go to bed and they go dump that out. They're immediately going to feel better about themselves. And that's going to be a, a positive reward that incentivizes them to make that happen 
another time also. So I don't think people, yes. they don't know that they're going to get that reward immediately and feel good about themselves. I like that actually. And I do this, I do this somewhat subconsciously and I haven't talked about this as much, but I'm, I feel like other people do it too. But just like, even, even if you, I mean, of course you always can have anything you want, right? Foods, drinks, whatever it is. However, I think that choosing to have the discipline not to do it, even whenever you can, that's whenever the real unlock happens. And that's whenever you have that, that real um, self-confidence and, and you start to build trust in your ability to make future decisions, right? Even if it's something super small, like you said, with the whiskey, please don't pour out the whiskey, but unless you pour it back in the bottle, that's okay. Um, assuming you haven't already drank out of it. Uh, but yeah, pour, pour it back, pour it back in the bottle, save that. But it's just like, even with a cookie or something like it's like, I've, I've remember I've had, uh, I've been eating Oreos, right? Just crushing some Oreos. And then I have the Oreo in my hand and I'm about to take a bite. And then I'm like, this is a moment for me to flex my discipline muscle. It's like, I really want to eat this cookie, but right now I'm going to choose not to do that. And just even that one little decision of, nope, I'm good. I'm going to put it back in there. That is a little bit of a, that's a win, right? And that is going to go towards your psyche for the future. And so, so trying to, this is, this, of course, this is a scale. You can take it from that one little cookie, right? To then, you know, also like hiring a coach or something, right? And then all these decisions can be more regulated like that. However, if even just something as simple as that cookie, or maybe not having that extra glass of wine with dinner, right? Whenever you normally, you normally have two, maybe just stick with one that night. And it just takes that little momentum, that little snowball effect for you to start making better decisions. And then that's, you know, that's all our life is, is these little decisions. So if you can, again, hit more than you miss, that's what we're chasing. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. People need to download this episode and listen to it a few times. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to something less serious, um, but also just as interesting. All right. So okay. the very first picture that you posted on Instagram was oh, an, was a very it. impressive flexing selfie back in 2012 yeah. Yeah. when you were uh, six weeks out from a natural bodybuilding show. When did you uh, get bit by the bodybuilding bug? it was, it was, it was that show. That was, that was my, so I competed, I've competed in two natural bodybuilding shows. One was my freshman year of college, my very first semester in college. And then one, what the, my last one was my very last semester in college. And so they were, they were about four years apart or maybe four and a half years. Um, but, but yeah, first semester and then last semester. So the first, the first one I did, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. I had, I had, I did about a 12 week cut. I was already kind of like naturally lean. So it was, it was, you know, it wasn't anything crazy, um, that I had to lose, but I still wasn't anywhere near lean enough for, um, I was the leanest I'd ever been up to that point, but with bodybuilding shows, natural bodybuilding shows, you got to be pretty damn lean, but I had a great time and I had, I had a lot of fun and I came in fourth place. I did pretty good. Um, but it just, it taught me a lot. And I was like, okay, well, I think I know what I need to do. And I was still very much into lifting at that time. And, and I really enjoyed it. And so then I competed again, my, uh, my senior year in college. And I actually ended up winning that time. Cause then I dieted for like 20 weeks or 22 weeks or something like that. Got super shredded. I, I won the overall and then I won my pro card and I was standing up on stage with the first place trophy. And I was just like, 
and this is not <laughs> what I really thought it was going to feel like. And I just, from that, from that moment, I was just like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore because I, my goal was to win the pro card, right? I wanted to win the pro card. And then, um, you know, like that, that was kind of my main goal after that. I didn't know for sure, but so I won and then it was just kind of somewhat underwhelming. And also like, you're not making bukus of cash and natural bodybuilding. I don't know if you guys know anything about that, but there's not lots of money and sponsors. There's no Coca-Cola sponsoring your local bodybuilding show. Um, but yeah, so there wasn't, there wasn't going to be a ton of money in it. And then also the guys that I were going to go up against, you know, they could have been, uh, they could have been mid thirties or something. And just like in natural bodybuilding, unless you have super sick genetics, it's like, there's not, cause, cause they're all in, in the pros. Oh, they're going to be lean. Don't give me, they're going to be very, very lean. But what they have on you is 10 years of training that you don't have. Yeah. So it's literally just a game of time. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend all of my time and effort on this thing. And then not even get even like you, you, the only reason you do natural bodybuilding is because you love natural bodybuilding. It's not because of the accolades or the, the trade-offs or whatever. It's like, you can, you can just do a photo shoot and get shredded and then not go through all of the, the pain of dealing with a bodybuilding show, you know? And so the spray it's like, tan. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. And standing in a mankini and on a stage oiled up with other men. It's just like, you don't, you don't have to do that. And so that's kind of what I realized. And then it was also, I, I realized that I wanted to focus on my business and I graduated and there was just other things that I wanted to deal with um, more so than worrying so much about bodybuilding. So that was yeah. the end of my bodybuilding career there. Well, since, since you were there and you said you got shredded and I saw the pictures on your Instagram and can verify that. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize what is actually involved in getting that lean. I think, you know, when I, when I finished my cut with you <clears throat> back in July, we didn't do any kind of testing or anything, but based on pictures, I would guess I was somewhere in the 10% body fat range. And For sure. You were super lean. And, you know, natural bodybuilders, the good ones get on stage in the single digits, more like five, 6%. <laughs> yeah, body you fat. weren't natural bodybuilding lean, but you were still pretty lean. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, what, what is involved? What does, what kind of place do you have to go to? What do you have to sacrifice to get that lean? What does that feel like? Cause I'm not going there. Yeah, you, you just, you have to go there. And it's just a longer period of time. That's all it is. Like, it's just a longer period of time. Um, but then as far as the actual feelings themselves, it's just like you, you just constantly think about food. You just constantly obsess over, you know, making sure you get in your workouts, getting in your cardio, getting in your macros, and then trying to make those macros as like delicious as possible because you're on poverty macros, right? That's what, that's what they call it, where you just, you barely are eating. I think the lowest I got down to was, was maybe like 1500 or 1600 per day. Um, and that was, it was pretty rough to be honest. It was, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty difficult. And at that point, my mind was just constantly focused on food. You're, you just never get full, which is also very difficult because you're so excited to eat and then you eat everything. And you're like, oh, I could eat this whole meal probably two more times and still not be full. And so that's kind of the hardest part is like you, you measure it all out, you have your meal, and then just whenever you get done with the meal, just imagine you never ate the meal. That's kind of what it comes down to. Um, of course, you feel, you feel a little bit better for maybe about an hour or so or yeah. 30 minutes. And then it just, that, that's just the thing. But it's just, that's your, your body's natural mechanisms of ramping up your hunger because they're like, hey, going, bringing a full circle to the beginning with the evolution. It's just like, we, we need that food. We need that extra fat on our body. We need those extra energy stores. And so, 
But your body is like, hey, dumbass, eat more food. And so it's forcing you to eat more. Well, it's trying to force you to eat more food psychologically by never allowing you to get full, essentially. And that takes even more time, even after the bodybuilding show to, mm-hmm. to, to go away. And it's just, it's tough. Like I said, you just have to, you just have to really be somewhat crazy and like really want to go there and like really like have that as your motivator because you, I can promise you getting abs is not going to be, you're going to give up so fast if your main motivator is like, Oh, I just want to get really shredded for girls or something or, or for guys, whatever. Right. It's just like, if that's that, that, that feeling will go away very, very quickly. Um, when you're just constantly starving. One of the things that I've talked about with clients that are <clears throat> getting pretty lean is, um, and I didn't really realize this until I did my f- first real cut back in 2019, was that once you get to a certain level of leanness, it kind of distorts your perception of what you're, what you're possible of and what you, um, kind of your self-image and your self-worth when you're at any body fat percentage higher than you were at your lowest. So, mm. you know, I could be walking around maintaining at 12, 13, 14%, which is still uh, you know, quite a bit lower than what you just see the average person, person walking around at. But maybe my perception is that I feel I'm I'm fat because I'm significantly less lean than I was at that lowest. So helping people reframe what is going to be a sustainable goal for them of leanness versus just what is the leanness you can get. And I warn them that you're going to alter your perception of what normal is by getting down to a certain level of leanness. I can imagine and doing a bodybuilding show could really do that to people. I think, I think yes, for sure. Definitely. in some people, um, specifically people that get a lot of their identity from their body and their self-confidence from their body. Luckily, um, you know, I still do that to some point, but it's like, I, I can kind of keep that in perspective as I gained, gained a little bit more fat. I was still, you know, okay with my body and things. I, I think, I think what it did actually for me was, I had to, sometimes like you have to go there to realize that's not what you want. It's the same thing with like getting rich. I feel like and buying the fancy car and the fancy watch. It's like, you're not, you can't tell that to a poor person and be like, Hey, listen, money's not going to make you happy, dude. Like you're, you're going to get that Ferrari and then you're just going to feel empty inside. It's like, sometimes you have to go to the extreme so that you can appreciate the quote unquote normal, right? That middle mm-hmm. ground. And so that's what I think bodybuilding really did for me. It's just like, Hey, I, I know the sacrifices that it takes to get there and to walk around there. And I know that the payoffs aren't really worth it. And so for me, I'm able to frame that in my head, like, Hey, and don't get me wrong. I can still look at old, I still look at old pictures of me all the time from, from college and uh, bodybuilding and stuff. And I'm just like, gosh, damn, that looks like it, it, it's, it's co- like that. If I could just get the, the body look of it, like that would be cool. Right. But of course, that you don't, you can't just do that, right? You, yeah. you have to be in the gym six days a week. You have to be tracking everything. You have to sacrifice so much, right? Like I was spending two hours in the gym, like six days a week because I was in college and I could, and I had time to do that. And it's just like, now, obviously I don't want to do that, nor could I do that. Um, so it's just like, yeah, the, for me, the, the trade-offs aren't worth it, but I had to, I had to go there to, to realize that. Yeah. This maybe this is a little bit of a tangent, but, um, we had another guy, um, another nutrition coach, Alex Macklin on the podcast, and he had a really interesting way of looking at uh, plateaus. And I'm not, t- not saying like if you get lean and then you go back up to a higher body fat percentage you're in a plateau, but if you get really lean and you can't maintain that, but you find something where you can maintain and you're 
happy there. You should be thrilled about that because you now have the skill set and the habits to maintain yes. uh, something that's healthy and, and also that you like, that you live with. So, you know, you can mm -hmm. celebrate the fact that you might not be as lean as you have ever been, but it's sustainable and you like your life. Yes. There's something to be said it's, for that a there, lot. There, there has to be trade-offs, right? Unless, yeah. unless like, <clears throat> I mean, well, even if I was going to say, even if you're on gear, like even if you're on drugs and things, there's going to be trade-offs there with, you know, with your health or, you know, yeah. safe, safety or uh, legal or whatever it is, you know, those, those, those are still going to be trade-offs. And so, yeah, I think you have to find that, that balance of, Hey, okay, how can I be happy with how I, how I'm looking without, um, you know, sacrificing my entire life to be there. And that's like my content in a nutshell, at least mm -hmm. what I try to do, because I'm trying to, trying to find that balance of, Hey, how can we, how can we do the least amount of work possible to, to get the most, uh, results possible? So yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. Well, I, I have a whole another page of notes here, but I want to be respectful of your time. We've already been rolling almost an hour, so I'll save them for the next time. But um, I can definitely I can talk. I can talk. <laughs> no, I think I think people are really going to like uh, really going to like this. I've definitely um, given me some things to think about, and uh, I will definitely save the things that we didn't get to for the next time if you're down for it. I, I would love to. Uh, I'm more than, more than happy to. And, and thank you so much for for having me on. I hope I hope hope people got uh, got a little bit out of it. Yeah. Why don't you tell people where they can find you both on the web and on your social media before we kick this thing off? Sure. Um, so I have a podcast called the more than fitness podcast. Um, each week I have two episodes. One is a, a shorter mini sode where it's typically around a specific nutrition or, uh, exercise topic. And then I have a guest sometimes, or I do a solo, but when uh, the other longer episodes are going to be more uh, just kind of conversational and I talk more about life in general, how to live a good life, how to manage priorities, how to manage emotions, how to make better decisions, um, uh, relationships, whatever it is, it's typically not as fitness focused, hence the more than fitness podcast, right? I talk about what I want to talk about and that's, that's essentially <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, that's the more than fitness podcast. And then you can find me on Instagram as well. I'm usually pretty active there. So that's at Matt McLeod six. So M A T T M C L E O D six. Uh, and you can, uh, send me a DM, say hello, uh, at my, my websites, uh, mattmcleod.org, M A T T M C L E O D dot org because I'm fancy like that. <laughs> and if you go looking for Matt's podcast, the uh, thumbnail is a picture of him with some sort of fur furry animal. <laughs> what is sheep. that? It's a it's sheep, sheep in Iceland. <laughs> it's a sheep. I was in Iceland. I also have longer hair too. Yeah. I'm just like, it's such a good picture. And it's so like, people are always like, oh, it's the sheep guy, you know? And I'm just like, <laughs> now it's just a branding thing. And I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep it up there. But yeah, that was on a legit sheep farm in Iceland. Um, so, so yeah, it's, the people were like, Oh, I thought that was Photoshopped. I said, no, 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 that's a real picture <laughs> with a real sheep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. That's where you can find me. That's good branding. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks again for your time and, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll check you out next week. Thank you all for listening. We truly appreciate it. But real quick, before we go, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Barbell for all of the latest and greatest free content. If you're interested in working with Blakely and I, we'd love to talk. Apply for coaching with the link in the description of this episode or by visiting digitalbarbell.com. 
We'd love to talk about helping you reach your goals with a training and nutrition program built just for you. Thanks again and have a great day.